All right, listeners, good morning and uh, hope you're having a, a beautiful – it's a beautiful day, isn't it's it? It's a gorgeous day outside. I've Abs- got no excuse for keeping you indoors, so why don't you just turn the radio up and go outside. Go for listeners. a drive, put on the car radio. Absolutely, or- car radio, because lots of people haven't got – AM radios anymore. Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective. That well, people said it was dying. It was absolutely, but it's not. It's a really useful medium. Anyway, this is news from the drug war front with Jeff and Marion. So, good morning, Jeffrey. Good morning, Marion. And uh, the show is brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and the Connections and the Connection, which um, peer education for First Nations people. Indeed, and uh, it's located. Well, you'll mention the address and oh, stuff later. Do? But um, the for those who haven't heard the show. Um, the idea, of course, is to, as the title says, um, present some relevant news uh, from the drug war front and the current global uh, prohibition uh, approach to illicit drugs, which um, has caused uh, decades of um, misery and deaths and harm and incarceration. Yeah. yeah, all sorts of negative. Basically, it's pushed users, drug users, to the edge of society, just illicit drug users, yeah? It's caused a lot of harm, Marion, and... and- just demolished families, demolished, filled up jails, made the availability of prisons essential. You know, one of the reasons that Cam- ACT got its job was because we had were spending so much money putting ACT Over prisoners New in New South Wales yeah. jails. That well, was originally a hundred thousand dollars a year. What's the same? Build a jail year. and they will come, and they will fill it <laughs> yeah, up. Fill yeah, it we up. will fill it up. Exactly. That's a mantra so from the judge. We're hoping to, um, aside from yeah, provide news of interest and um, got a sort of very humorous story about. Um, some uh, warning that uh, dogs uh, may be at risk of uh, oh, finding you. masses yeah. of uh, cannabis heaven. lying around for them to... Uh, a narcotic. To, yeah. da, da, da. <laughs> I just, I, I was pissing myself it laughing. It's funny. Oh, that's it's word, funny, Jeffrey. Be careful. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, look, <laughs> chocolate's far more dangerous for dogs. But anyway, um, so aside from promoting the services of Karma and the Connection, which are growing all the time and offer a and wide changing, range. Yeah. yeah, and changing. And yep. Um, we're going to uh, mention one that's coming up for people who are creatively minded, um, which Marion will give you the details yeah, shortly. Yeah, well, you'll finish your sentence sooner or later, darling. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so we're hoping that uh, one of the aspirations of the show is to get people to perhaps think about the current state of play. Absolutely, and discuss it. Yeah. Yeah, with people who haven't thought about it and to actually get drug users to think about it for themselves and stop discriminating or stigmatising themselves because that self-stigmatisation is one of the most dangerous kind and it stops us from being productive. Very from harmful. From being connected, if you like, and from certainly from attending health mainstream health services, which is terrifically unhelpful Absol- to drug users because the number of people I know with dental problems who yes. just won't go to mainstream health services because they are discriminated against or they feel that they are, even if it's a little bit like um, racism, in, institutional racism. Jeffrey, people don't notice that they're doing it until someone calls them out on it. Yeah. Not because they are intentionally unkind, yeah. simply because Unthinking. it's ingrained. Yeah. They don't notice it Well, anymore. we've had five-plus decades of um, prohibition Six propaganda. now, so, yeah. yeah. 
not surprising. Absolutely. So anyway, that, for those who haven't heard the show, that's the, that's the intent of the show. We've got some good stories coming up. Um, the Buttery is made it 50 years. Yeah, famous but rehab only centre. just by the sound yeah, of it. Yes, I saw that. It sounds from reading it, um, it could do it's with... It's very run down. Yeah, yeah, some investment. And it, it's been there for such a long time. I remember when I was working at Drick, it was available, but not for people who had um, criminal issues. So they right. couldn't help them to attend um, their court charges to their court charges but if they went if you went to the buttery voluntarily then yes it would okay um so it's actually was useful for people who didn't have any uh criminal justice issues yep. but there were very few users that i used to see in those days that met that, that was criteria in the 80s that yeah. actually came into that range well evidently paul kelly wrote a song um about it immortalized uh with the iconic song To Her, to her Door. Yes, um, yes. You went up to the buttery. You went to the buttery. So with, that's that's a good story. Um, I've got a whole range of stuff and some stories from overseas, which um, hopefully yeah. be of interest. But, we um, always put in a couple of stories from overseas because it, the drug war front just doesn't occur in Australia. It happens everywhere, sometimes with death involved and sometimes with incarceration, sometimes just with interpersonal Issues, yeah, but yeah. it is everywhere. It's not just here. Yeah. Okay, so um, sorry, my bit. Yeah, your bit. Just, just a bit another of a, bit. An yeah. overview of Karma is on um, level one fifty four Benjamin Way, the Belconnen Churches Centre, shop seventeen. The drop in hours are ten am to four pm Monday to Friday, and you can contact Karma just on the landline at six two five three three six four three, or email Karma at info. Underline info at karma.org.au. If you want to find anything about uh, Karma or the connection, the services it provides, or its opening hours, contact them via the landline or through the interblog, yeah, internet. And talk to anybody that answers the phone and they'll let you know what's going on. Exactly. Karma also networks with other drug and alcohol service providers, yep. either for treatment or for harm minimization. It is an advocacy um, body and is quite prepared to accompany you to, if you make contact with services, accompany you to your meetings if you have problems advocating on your own behalf, and many users do. Um, connects with uh, directions in, in men, uh, medical services provision yeah, in a lot of ways. Thursday um, Health Clinic. That's right. The uh, That's on every Thursday except there are two dates upcoming, which I don't have on the last the week of September and first, first of, October. Week of October. School holidays. Because the doctor's away for two weeks. He's yeah. away for two weeks, yeah. But every Thursday it's available. Um, we connect with the Pat Van services, which uh, directions provide, and I have a timetable for that. There's an upcoming program that Jeffrey mentioned beforehand um, on Thursday and for every Thursday fortnightly from the 21st, that's this Thursday, per fortnight, the Scout Hall, Lake Ginandera, uh, the ceramic and printmaking workshops which have lunch involved. So 11 till 1, 
the Scout Hall at Lake Ginandera in Belconnen. And it's free. And it's free. And the That's food's sorry. free. And you get lunch thrown in for free. Well, not thrown in, but cooked in for free, <laughs> provided for free. And a good opportunity to network for over 40s. Yep. Um, particularly, it's targeted at older users. Um, and just an opportunity to make friends and learn a couple of new skills artistically. It sounds like something Natasha would run. Is that right? Well, I think Or is it just connected with um, I, I think the idea is services. within her purview because creative she can things it, you yeah. can always it's see. So Natasha's terrific. You know, artistically she has a talent I cannot believe. She's just got the capacity to – and to bring that out in other people. She's a great teacher. And it's so important. Oh, yes. Creative things. It takes well, it in another place. If you yeah. cannot express yourself verbally, what you can do with your hands, with your eyes and with your brain can be expressed artistically sometimes. Exactly. And a lot of users aren't artistically inclined but don't have the opportunity to use that. So this opportunity is great. Okay? Well, I've signed up for it. That's so. And yeah, that's what Jeffrey rang me yesterday with. Come on, Mass. <laughs> you need to come and do this. So I rang Mary. Come on, Mary. We need to go and do this. So... It's a good okay. opportunity. It is an opportunity, and we're definitely over 40, and we're certainly users lived and have experience the opportunity and, to go and, yeah. yep, lived experience of drug use is just a pre. It's just a precursor for being able to attend to the workshop, exactly, yeah? Exactly. So, as long as you're over 40, you live in Canberra, and you use drugs over your lifetime, yeah, then you are perfectly fit. For this to attend this workshop, it'll be every fortnight from this Thursday. Yep. So give Karma a call. Ring Karma six two five three three six four three and find out more about it. Indeed. No, I think it's a very exciting opportunity. Yeah. Um, there's also the regular Friday um, art group, which is um, at Eleven Ooh. Churches Centre, Belconnen. Uh, Friday one thirty till three pm. Again, call level one. Uh, yeah, 54 yeah. Benjamin White. Oh, sorry, Shop level 17. one. Yeah, level one. Yeah, yeah. sorry. That's two, one L, one one. Yeah, it's, level. it's confusing. Um, and you could even have your art ex- exhibited at a TODA, which is the peak yes. body of the uh, drug and alcohol um, sector, or and sell Karma, your art. Karma still has a lot of artwork on its walls from past art workshops, yeah? Well, the first one I got sent to was the art from the Heart of the Cross That's at King's right. Cross. That's right, you ended up buying... One of those, and that's still on the wall. It's still on the wall in Chris's office. Um, Beautiful painting. Very clever. Very clever. Pencil piece and making the comparison between Ice the Drug and ISIS the terrorist group. Yeah. And when I saw it, I just thought that is, it's not only great art, it's It's great. Clever connection. Very clever. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's amazing. Clever um, play on words. The quality of art, and uh, it's been going for years. Some of the stuff that's been produced, and I know because I've been involved in producing some of it, it's amazing what you can come up with when you're encouraged to do so in a non-discriminatory environment, yeah? Well, I think your piece, Natasha said, would you be prepared to have it hung on the wall at Atoda and maybe possibly up for sale? They've taken a lot of artwork from... Karma yeah, for, the, for their yeah. office. No, that's great. So, um, you know, a lot of people have you know, made a bit of money. It's, yeah, a, it's a silent auction is the way they normally yeah, do, the, yeah. do the bidding. But, but yeah, there's some amazing opportunities. And, of course, there's also the um, pinprick test for yeah, H, uh, hep C status. Yes, and uh, there's a we have a vein finder. The venoscope, So yeah. you can have, find a viable vein if you're an injector. Can't forget that. An injector, absolutely essential, especially as you get older. Absolutely. Um. 
there's a, a women's support group for who have, women who have uh, children who have c- contact with welfare services, which is always a problem. Care and protection. Care and protection, <laughs> da, 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 da. Da, da, da. For whom, I wonder. And we also um, have a regular barbecue. Indeed, um, and every t- Tuesday afternoon at the, uh, there's a opioid overdose Reversal First workshop. Tuesday of the of month. Of every month. Yeah, Sorry, at, every Tuesday. That's at the early morning centre. But first Tuesday yep. of every month from 2pm yep. at the early morning centre on Northbourne Avenue in the city. Yeah. And Dave and Damo run that. So, as you can see, karma and connections. Plenty of services and, and plenty of projects and programs that you might want to be involved Indeed. in. Indeed. If so you want to find out more about them, just ring give karma call. on 62533643. Indeed. Find out about it. Okay. okay, news from the drug war front reports on news stories that are relevant to the illicit drug users uh, from Australia and also around the world. Many of the articles featured come from other sources, including mainstream media. The contents uh, of this broadcast slash podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and does not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. All right, I think it's time for our first song. You've picked this one, Marion, haven't oh, you? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I did. From uh, a choice of 100 songs. Yeah, Casey Chambers this is. And I just think, Jeffrey, it seems to me like this is a, a user's song, particularly okay. a heroin user's song, because heroin gives you that inner warmth. And this Casey Chambers, because they're seeking some kind of perfection that they've never attained, right? Okay. It's because we're dissatisfied with ourselves, this song to me, represents well, a lot of It's a what, personal interpretation. That's right. I mean, yeah. it's called Not Pretty Enough and it just rings bells for me, yeah? All right. Well, let's listen. Am I not pretty enough? Is my heart too broken? Do I cry too much? Am I too outspoken? Hard not 
that is Casey Chambers and uh, Not Pretty Enough. No, it's a beautiful song. I've yeah. listened to it. but um, And do, do you get it? Do you yeah, get, yeah, do I, feel that yeah, way well, listening to it from what the you, perspective, yeah. yeah, if you get pre-educated, uh, if you like, or pre- if you've got a preset way of thinking, it fits in with that. Yeah, well, you listen with a different ear. With a yeah. different attitude, yeah. Or I just what we want people to do is think with a different attitude at the things that have been pressuring us for 60 years or so. Absolutely. Uh, okay, this one I just laughed and laughed when I read it. Um, it's a doozy. From the Canberra it? Times. Canberra vets warn of growing problem after dog ingests drugs by Steve Evans, September the 18th. 18th, yeah. When Olive started wobbling around one Sunday, Catherine Hahn knew something was wrong. What she didn't imagine was that the dog was high on cannabis. Da, 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 da. As Olive started <laughs> showing more and more erratic signs, her owner decided to take the animal to the emergency vet. A test revealed traces of the narcotic. I wonder what made them automatically test for cannabis <laughs> or if it was an automatic test. That is one of a number of, of questions, questions that, that it raises. Yeah. yeah, I was absolutely shocked, she said. It, it hadn't crossed her mind. She lives in a drug-clean home. <laughs> she surmised that Olive had gulped down something near a school. Oh, of course, it had to be it near had a school. had to be near a school, yeah. Uh, in the area where her, the dog had been uh, walked that morning. Olive is smart as paint. She's pure... Uh, that means stupid. Bre- <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming so. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? She's half purebred collie, a quarter cattle dog, and a quarter of something else, which can't be determined. A mystery mix, as Catherine Hind describes it. Yeah. But on this Saturday, the dog was out of sorts. Quote, her gait was odd. It seemed like she was going to tip over when sitting begging for treats. She over- was overwhelmed by the presence of other dogs. Her senses were off and she was worrying. Worryingly, not herself. <laughs> she was a different dog, un- uncoordinated. She but said the dog was moving with a rabbit hop. <laughs> yeah, sounds, so transformed from a dog bit, to a rabbit. Yeah, a bit distemperish, I would have thought. Anyway, the article goes on. It was just, it's just one case in ca- what Canberra vets say is a growing trend, which probably means it's had two people, as drugs become less criminalised. Quote, as the decriminalisation, even legalisation of marijuana has occurred, cases of toxicity in animals have unfortunately increased. Vets at the Kipax Vet Hospital said, the quote goes on, marijuana seems to have much more profound effect in pets than in humans. The Canberra vet said on the Animal Hospital website, the poisonous ingredients of, of ingredient of cannabis is THC or tetrahydrocannabinol which affects the nervous system. The Canberra vet says it's rare for pets to die, but symptoms can be pronounced, including, quote, depression, lack of coordination, dilated pupils, tremors, seizures and coma. Mm, other signs that can occur are vomiting, salivation, low blood pressure, slow heart rate, but sometimes a faster heart rate can happen. Catherine Hahn doesn't know what Olive ate on the walk, which included Hackett Oval. The dog was seen eating something animal-like, but that's unlikely to be the source of the poison. The owner wonders if it was some sort of baked cannabis biscuit. Does he just throw those around? Yeah, always (laughs) throwing it around. Other less savoury sources are possible. Two vets in Melbourne studied 15 cases in in four 24-hour veterinary emergency hospitals and concluded that human excrement can be a source. What? Part of the problem, according to one of the researchers, (laughs) Claire Lorninger, 
is that homegrown marijuana can be strong and far too strong for animals. Well, yeah, any <laughs> drugs are probably far too strong for animals. Homegrown marijuana goes into humans to come out of humans and dogs eat the result, the researchers found. It remains a mystery how this happens, but researchers are adamant that it does. Quote, homegrown marijuana, where we don't know the concentration, is quite toxic to dogs, Dr Lorniga said. We don't know if they are ingesting a crazy amount, if they ingest a cookie or get into someone's stash. Olive was treated with a charcoal substance which acts to bind any toxins together so that they don't pass into the bloodstream, which works if it's still in their stomach, uh, I would say. Uh, further quote, the symptoms are, were very scary. I was very worried about her, but she's made a full recovery, Ms Bind said. There now, seems to be a lot of holes in that story. A um, lot of holes. And a lot of maybes cynical. and a lot of we didn't really contact them. We got this off the website stuff, yeah? Um, and I, I have some real problems with that. Look, chocolate is Chocolate poisonous is, is dog, dangerous yeah? to drug, uh, dogs, yeah. Cannabis has a uh, an impact on the motor, uh, the muscle, you know, motor system. So you've got to be careful with humans, yeah. let alone with animals. But there'd be no fatalities of humans in no, recorded no. history. And I look, it is not surprising that at increased doses, what you get for a little dog, as opposed to the impact on a human, Could might be, be more intense. Yeah. And we know that about all drugs. You don't let dogs get into your drugs, whether they're recreational, for the purposes of intoxication or for having fun, yeah. which is what intoxication is often about. Just don't give your dog drugs. And <laughs> certainly don't let them flog your pot. I never thought we'd be saying that. <laughs> no, don't give your dog pot. Don't give them chocolate. Don't give them avocado, I think we were told this morning too. Garlic's not supposed to be all that good for them, but I think it's about the concentration. Yeah, you've got to be careful. Dogs are little, strictly speaking. Um, certainly got a smaller brain than humans. Not much smaller, though. But, <laughs> and, some of people. course, it would affect their sense of smell, their motor, motor their ambulatory you know, gait, yep. um, their sense of, uh, you know, that I don't know about the seizures. It's an interesting concept. I haven't heard that before, but it certainly is in keeping with a lot of the stuff that comes came out of the research that was done by the, uh, the Drug Administration in the United States oh, okay. after 15 years of studying cannabis. Negative impacts were pronounced. Positive were non-existent. Well, let's hope she keeps an eye on her dog. <laughs> Absolutely. And if and look, eating human excrement, my dog used to hop into my youngest son's poo when he was only a baby because it was very sweet. Now, I know that sounds dreadful, but dogs are like that's that. That's dogs. Yeah. yeah, that's dogs. They have a very sensitive, very sensitive nose, as everybody would know, anyone with a dog would know, really Big impact, but just no. Yeah. So I just they thought would it was get into the excrement a of bit humans, over the top, but it's a bit yeah. One thing I did see was well, I saw part of it was the last I think it was the last foreign correspondent, and it was talking about um, testing of uh, pills before the music festival. Oh yes, season, yes, yes. and it had a this is New South Wales in particular. Yes, yeah. well, because you know they're promoting getting drug checking well, up there too. Well, now. there's efforts being made 
to try and extend, you know. And it looks like it's being viewed sympathetically from the New South Wales government. Well, at a snail's pace, I think. Um, they're going to have a drug summit and, you know, I don't think anything will be done before. Hasten slowly. Certainly nothing before the summer music this festival. Season. Yeah, mm. so that's um, a shame. That's what they were hoping for, I think. Oh, yeah. exactly. I mean, we've and in fact, when the when the research or when the report came from um, what uh, Gladys Berejiklian had commissioned mm-hmm. um, in terms of the pill supply and what might be made available to reduce the Toxicity for humans and young people in particular going to festivals. Um, she got the report and put it underneath a pile of everything, other report that she'd commissioned. Yeah, exactly. And ignored it. 150 recommendations totally ignored. Well, can test, as we've reported many times, is. Yeah, which a, again, evidence based. and karma are involved in. In a partnership. Yeah. Yep. And a partnership. But it's building a database yep. of um, purity, adulterants, etc. and it's even found three substances that, that hadn't that been heard of before. Yep. And uh, Mitch told me there'd been an alert recently, but I think I've um, that f- would forgotten to grab the, um, the paper. It was um, fake uh, benzos that were masquerading uh, as yes. sort of generic Xanax. Yep. Um, that it, yeah, were quite problematic. But that's the whole point of drug testing is yep, to find is to out find out what's there, what, what, what's being peddled. Is yep. it, you know, is it dangerous? Has it got stuff that you really wouldn't want to be taking? Um, Do you know, Jeffrey? Every person that I have spoken to um, about drug checking, particularly heroin users, has said, "Yeah, but how much do they want?" Now, remember, I, yeah, asked, people and worry. I said, look, I've seen pictures of it and it's really only a pinhead. It's like a scraping. Yeah, yeah, it's a very tiny amount. So yeah. it it looked substantial, but that was because the photo was blown up. But it's only a pinhead yeah. of drugs that need to be. So if you want, have time before you have yeah. your, before you consume your drugs, to have your drugs checked Thursday uh Lunchtime and Friday. Well, I think it's evening. Thursday evening now and Friday. Okay, so um, would that be four to six? Night. Do you think? Uh, I think so. We um, did have the program here, and I don't have it with me. I mean, uh, the timetable here. You don't have it with me today, but um, you can find out by ringing Karma or ringing folder. directions, yeah. ringing the NSP. Look, perhaps. one thing we need is more than six hours a week. Indeed. It's a really useful service. Don't get us wrong. It's a great service. Oh. Drug checking is really important. CanTest is the name of the facility. The facility, yep. And it's conducted at the health building. Yep, one on more corner street. of one more and the Linga Street in Canberra. Yep. Um, so, yes, and it's available Thursdays and Fridays. And Friday between four and six or four and eight. Um, anyway, look, find look, out for I, sure. I, I will be able to find out the times and six two five three three six four three. Yeah, but get your drugs checked if you have the, um, if you can before you use them. If you've not got a habit and hanging out and need yeah, to look, use quickly, it, the proviso is the time to use and yeah. the speed with which you are time, operating. Facility at. and agency. That's important. We don't want to interrupt people's. Lives, but it's a really useful service to have, and we would like to support it. And praise to the government, yeah, the ACT, for to, yeah, yeah, all initiating to the ACT government for such an important reform. Supporting you know, it. And uh, I think I've just the only person that we haven't said a terrific are the people actually provide the service, which is the um, 
Directions, like pill test in Australia pill and Karma. Australia, Karma provides it. actually its own service too, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that was, remember, they did the trial? Yeah. Groove and the move. Uh, just on the issues uh, of the hours of the uh, can test service, the current hours, it's a total of six hours a week, sadly, but are Thursday, 3 till 6 p.m. So that's Thursday, 3 till 6, and Friday, uh, the hours are a bit later, 6 till 9 p.m. So um, it would be good, um, as, as excellent as it has been to open that service, and I think it's been, uh, the funding's been extended till um, uh, end of 2024 uh, to continue to op operate in the, the facility on, on those hours. Uh, beyond that, its fate is, is pretty much uncertain. Um, so I can't overstate the importance of um, can test facility in providing incontrovertible evidence of what is in products that have been sold in a black market. Um, you know, every other product you buy, you get a list of ingredients and labels, pharmaceutical drugs, are, you know, um, quality control, they're meant to be exactly the same um, amount of active ingredient. The trouble with the illicit drug market is you're taking it sort of on trust or recommendation or hope um, in a lot of cases. Uh, and one of the um, great things about Cantest has been finding, uh, yeah, three, three substances that were previously unknown, uh, and that was confirmed by um, asking people around the world um, had they could they identify these um, substances, um, and allows alerts to be put out to warn people if there's a potential risk to their health from uh, a certain um, product or drug. So that's really important, and um, I'd like to see Cantest expand to a you know a full five-day-a-week or even seven-day-a-week service if um, that could be uh, considered because um, the benefit of it is, and the implications of the data that it collects are just so valuable. Um, yeah, you just can't overstate that. So um, anyway, uh, we've had a, re a request for a song and um, thanks to Dave bringing in the CD, I can play uh, Karen's request. It's The Angels and Shadow Boxer.
Oh, right. That was the angels. And a uh, special shout-out to Karen. Yeah. yeah shadow I boxer. want to do a shout-out to Linda and Mary, too. I haven't done one for Mary for ages. Well, and I told Linda Sunday that I would send her a shout-out, so I'm doing it now. Well, we take music requests, too. Yeah. Um, look, we're going to take a look at uh, Peace by Harm Reduction International, who held a conference in Melbourne back in April. Um, aid for the War on Drugs, it's a report that follows development aid that's actually been spent on narcotics control around the world. You know, mm. the UN's got these sustainable uh, development goals, and some of it's getting diverted to yeah. uh, narcotics control. Funny about that. Funny yeah. about that. Uh, it calls on governments and donors to divest from punitive and prohibitionist drug control regimes that undermine uh, the health and human rights uh, and commitments and investing programs which prioritise community health and justice. Uh, it starts off with undermining human rights, health and development, mass incarceration and overpopulated prisons, death sentences, civilians killed during counter-narcotics operations by specialised police units, mm. poor farmers' livelihoods destroyed by aerial spraying, which is really terrible, and the Americans have done a lot of aerial spraying, and, uh, and yeah. um, it poisons the, the land, you know. And a lot of dis- – they've been very destructive internationally and in the name of a war on drugs or in the name of a war on communism. But in particular, the war on drugs seems to have its fingers in every country, in every pie, because everyone has an inanimate object called drugs that they are they can use as a flag to wave when they invade. Oh, it's a great it's a cover. In fact, um, I've just reactivated or I'm going to start... Um, putting more stories on the News from the Drug Warfront Facebook page. Good. And I found a, a great story, which I read this morning. It's by the guy who did most of the um, investigation into Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah. Mayor yeah. Farrow's son, Ronan, um, Ronan Farrow, I think his name is. But anyway, it was about um, things that the DEA and, yeah. and the FBI get up to oh, in the name good. of fighting the war, the war on, on drugs. drugs. Yeah. And it was... Very interesting. Even persecuting the war on drugs, they call persecuting it. Or prosecuting the war on drugs. It. Yeah. yeah, no, very interesting and still um, happening, I'm sure, today. Indeed. Um, rights vi- violated by forced treatment programs, discrimination, and barriers to health care. These are amongst the consequences of the global war on drugs that has particularly impacted poor, marginalised, and, rad- and racialised communities around the world. The evidence for such uh, negative impacts is now vast and widely recognised internationally, including by the UN agencies and in reports published by the World Bank and the Organisation for Economic Cooperation, OECD. And development. Oh, and development. Yeah, and development. So OECD. Also, well documented internationally are the benefits of alternative approaches to drug policy, including harm reduction initiatives that advance rather than undermine public health and human rights, and the lack of evidence that punitive and prohibitionist approaches to drugs have actually uh, curbed drug use. Despite Mm. this, vast amounts of international funding continue to flow to punitive drug control activities, while harm reduction remains vastly underfunded. We've said if, that many times. If it's funded at all, yeah. Well, we're still around the 2% in Australia, it's r- ridiculous. roughly. Yeah, yeah. and what, 98% or goes, 96% would go to the police and 2% to various others. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, mm. it's not... And, a, in fact, the, the percentage is not necessarily worked out be, uh, on uh, evidence-based. Uh, definitely Which not. is what government has always said it needs That's to provide right. services as evidence-based information. We hear this all the and time. And we have that. Yeah. But nonetheless, the funding uh, combination or division still remains at 96 to 2. It is ridiculous. And that might not be accurate. Don't quote me on that. But 
the percentages are so astronomically Skewed. different. Yeah. yeah. Um, and have been since 1984, when the 85, when the national campaigns against drug abuse were was instituted. Well, ever since John had vetoed the um, the lot of work that went into the proposed ACT heroin trial, yes. we really haven't progressed too far. There's been a few minor. No. Um, I think steps the, in the right direction. And the, the um, paranoia about the uh, policies on drugs. Oh, it's just from, insane. It doesn't matter which side of politics or which angle of politics you approach it from, the paranoia exists. And anybody who starts to promote um, rational drug policy is often... Slag. Well, the Murdoch Press have got a well-known reputation for just going right hard after That's politicians, right. you know, soft yeah. on drugs. And, and you get, they get undermined. It's called a courageous move when you provide a, an argument in a, opposition to the campaign against drugs. Takes a lot of courage, yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, the evidence base for such negative impacts is now vast and widely re- done that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. underfunded you got too. Uh, got to underfunded. And then there's a history. It's the next paragraph. Um, long uh, history of drug policy. Ah, oh, there's a long history of drug policy being used by world powers to strengthen and enforce their control over other populations and to target specific communities. Racist and colonial dynamics continue to this day with wealthier governments led by the United States funny about that, spending billions of taxpayer dollars around the world to bolster or expand punitive drug control regimes and related law enforcement. These funding flows are out of pace with existing evidence, as well as international development, health and human rights commitments, including the goal to end HIV AIDS Mm. by 2030. They rely and reinforce systems that disproportionately harm black, brown and Indigenous people worldwide. Mm. In order to decolonise drug policy and advance health and human rights based approaches, the material and financial basis of punitive drug control must be, quote, um, narcotics control. Is that the next page? Or have I, no, no I've jumped two pages. Must, must be revealed, be revealed and, and redirected. Yeah. yeah. You, Keep going, you take, I'll do the next, oh, okay. the lack of the transfer. This report uh, contributes to these goals by synthesising existing research <laughs> on international financial flows for punitive drug control and adding new analysis of data on official development assistance, or ODA, spent by aid donors and institutions on, quote, narcotics control. These specific public budgets are supposed to support international development, including health goals and global poverty reduction. Mm. But this spending is more commonly associated with initiatives to vaccinate and educate children, for instance. But project-level data included in this report shows that some of it has also gone to supporting things like undercover policing, quote, intelligence-led profiling. (laughs) (laughs) That's a contradiction in terms. Find the black people or the brown people and... Call them a drug dealer. Yeah. And shoot they. Well, in the Philippines, yeah. Actually, I've got a funny story about, or not funny, but an update on the Philippines that I'll Ironic, mention later. Yeah. And efforts to increase arrests and prosecutions for drug-related offences. Mm, lack of transparency is the next heading. Each year, aid donors report their spending to the OECD, which maintains uh, what is called its creditor reporting system, the CRS. According to the most recent update of the data in this system, that's from mid-December 2022, covering spending through to the end of 2021, oh, it's going backwards, more than 
$930 million US dollars of aid money was spent on, quote, narcotics control, that's interdiction projects, in countries around the world in the 10 years from 2012 to 2021. This includes spending by dozens of donors led by the US, the EU, the European Union, Japan and the United Kingdom, tens of millions of dollars in this total, at least 68 million US dollars, that's out of 932, over the period studied, were spent in countries that have the death penalty for drug-related offences. This raises particularly serious concerns about whether and how aid budgets have bolstered regimes that execute people building upon previous harm reduction international research in this area. While some donors, such as the United Kingdom, have spent less aid this way in recent years and others have increased it. Most notably the US, where such spending rose significantly in 2021 in the first year of President Joe Biden's administration. Though data availability and transparency vary across projects and donors, this analysis reveals how aid money has supported approaches that undermine global development goals and do no harm principles. That's in quotes, do no harm principles. Put simply, aid funding is supposed to help poor and marginalised communities, while punitive drug control regimes have been shown to disproportionately negatively affect them. This makes such regimes um, a, profit, a poor fit Sorry, profit. A poor fit for such important yet limited development budgets. This research also shows that how these donors have numerous opportunities as well as obligations um, change to change how they invest in global drug policy by funding under-resourced, evidence-based and health and human rights-centred harm reduction efforts instead. Be nice worldwide. to share, share some of the funding. Yeah. Yes. Do you want to do the next bit? Bank control, punitive, bank rolling, punitive drug control. You want me to do that bit? Uh, Is that many governments spend huge amounts? Yes, that's where it starts. You can carry on there. Okay, you started following the money then? Okay. Many governments spend huge amounts of money on punitive drug control policies and initiatives despite their risks and cost to public health goals and human rights. Expansive law enforcement, surveillance, prosecutorial infrastructure and mass incarceration can be very expensive for limited public budgets that could be spent otherwise. The same could be said for the other infrastructure infrastructure that serve anti-drug regimes. Since 1971, the US has spent more than a trillion dollars on its war on drugs and given expanded powers to law enforcement, including mandatory censoring, sentencing domestically. Billions of dollars have also been spent on flagship projects of the country's global war on drugs, much of it focused on Central and South America. In 2021, US government documents show that its funding for drug control internationally totaled more than uh, 1.1 billion US dollars that year alone, spent through various government departments and agencies, led by the DEA, who had uh, 464 million US dollars and the State Department's Bureau of uh, the I Bureau of INL International yeah. Narcotics Not sure. Yeah, something I wish they'd spell out the exactly. Jack will send me a text anyway. 
um, which gets four hundred twenty-five dollars on US do- uh, four hundred twenty-five million US dollars, which also leads counter narcotics trainings and international and capacity building to quote catalyze and sustain long-term organisational change, which means they have big lunches in large palaces in the British countryside, which is what they did to Gabriel Bama, who had the research on narcotics or heroin trial in the OCT. I remember Gabriel well. Yes, and Gabriel was invited to attend a weekend in the country, in the United Kingdom, in Britain, at a castle, was funded by the FDA, the wow. Federal Drug Administration. Um, anyway, European... The US Agency for International Development, that's USAID, also spent $53.5 million on drug control that year. That's in 2021, sorry, 19. countries are also significant funders of drug control. Despite transparency and data accessibility gaps, a 2017 Council of Europe report found estimates for 16 European countries drug-related expenditure, ranging up to 0.5% of uh, gross domestic domestic product, product, with most of these expenditures focused on reducing the supply of drugs. I mean, the evidence so far says the bulk of the money goes to criminal justice, law enforcement, interdiction, That's right, so interdiction would be the obvious place to Um, to be putting it. There's still a little bit more. Uh, Following the money, aid donors report they're spending to the OECD's Development Assistance Committee. This data is accessible via what's called the Creditor Reporting System. And at the time of writing, it was last updated in May 2023 with figures for 2021. Analysis of the data reveals that aid donors have spent almost a billion dollars of this money on narcotics control efforts around the world. The OECD defines um, ODA. What was ODA? Office of Drug Administration? Uh, Is it ODA? We should spell out these acronyms. Uh, Anyway, it defines it as government aid that promotes and specifically targets the economic development and welfare of developing countries with military assistance and projects prioritising donor national security or commercial interests not eligible. Under this definition, its accounting system has many categories of spending and changes have been made to the rules over time. I think we'll flip past some of that boring um, sort of accounting type stuff. Look, we might put this on the website. It's actually quite a good article and it uh, tells you, talks quite in depth about the availability of funds for interdiction as opposed to that for harm reduction. It's a good article and it's a really interesting article, but it sounds tedious because we're reading it in a hot studio and, and it's, it's quite long and quite has long. lots of multi... Um, uh, multi well, lots of acronyms. <laughs> lots of acronyms, lots of words with, with uh, three syllables or more. And it sounds tedious, but it's not. It's interesting. Maybe I finish off with the conclusion. Yeah, that's I think only that's a, a good idea. Despite overwhelming evidence in favour of following a health and human rights-based apology to drug approach to drug policy, and clear international standards, vast amounts of international funding, including from aid budgets that are supposed to help poor and marginalised communities around the world, have gone to punitive and damaging anti-drug regimes. Instead, it is a problem, I must say, this is me talking, not Mm. the article, when 
The poor countries are the ones with often a dictator in power, and this is me generalising, I must say, but it actually can be um, extracted from this article, that the funding goes to interdiction and to punitive operations that will uh, focus on First Nations people or the people poor. who are... Yeah. Uh, the original inhabitants of a, of a country that has been invaded in the past that has retained, particularly places like the Philippines, mm. Singapore, they have a very strict control of the social system. Uh, and, I mean, just the China, when you think about their social credits mm. system, you know, how you can have that many people keep under that much control by a simple... Oh, social credit Dictatorships system. love the war on people who use drugs. Absolutely, and they get funded for it. China is still considered a developing nation yeah, I know. in a lot of ways. So they will system. get heaps of funding to, anyway, prosecute the, war, prosecute the war on drugs. Anyway, the article goes on. It's possible for drug policies, policies and laws to contribute to healthier, safer societies. This requires changes in how, on, in how resources are currently allocated. Drug policy and associated international funding flows must be decolonised. The harms caused by countries spreading punitive drug policies must be redressed. Communities destroyed must be rebuilt. Governments and donors must divest from unjust punitive drug responses and invest in community health and justice. They must invest in harm reduction. And that would apply to virtually every government Globally, I think so and know. it it doesn't matter whether you're in a developed or a developing nation. Look at First Nations people. It's actually the poor and the dispossessed in every country that are most impacted by the prosecution of a war on drugs, and that is shown time and time again hmm. by the research and yep. by papers such as this. And it's enough to make. Oh, we know what's going on. Um, Speaking of the Philippines, I saw a piece on BBC uh, Global TV about the Philippines and um, Duterte's uh, execution of thousands of people for, you know, supposedly being yeah drug drug, dealers. Yeah, yeah. when they're actually just people from the slums, you know, um, taking a bit of shabu or crystal meth to work three jobs, Um, and the action of the International Criminal Court to try and prosecute oh, yes. Duterte, which Before is... Before they withdrew from the International Criminal Court, per still, he yeah. can still be liable up until they withdrew the, That's the right. convention, but it then tied it in with a tax on press freedom, which okay. was hardly yes, surprising. indeed, but, which we, we reported on as well, if you remember. I play a very quick song. It's uh, one I haven't heard for a while. It's um, The Dead Kennedys and uh, Take This Job and Shove It. Take This Job and Shove It. I ain't working no Take this job and shove it. I ain't one here no more. I'm holding it with all the pieces. I've been working for. If it's not time to stay, I'll wait for walking out the door. Take this job and shove it. I won't care no more. I've been working at the factory for now on 50 years. Oh, it's time I see the world that's got to do the tears. I've seen a lot of people die. Shove it. I ain't working here no more. I'm gonna let the cold pieces out of the door. Give me my time to spend my way from walking out the door. Take your job and shove it. 
All right, that was the dead Kennedys and take this job and shove they it. They didn't sound dead, though, did they? Oh, jello biofrescings yeah. <laughs> at a very high pace. Um, it's 11.30 and you're listening to News from the Drug, Drug War Front brought to you by Karma and The Connection on Community Radio 2XX, People Powered Radio. 98.3. 98.3. I thought we might do the story uh, from the US. You know, we've sort of been spared so far the wave of fentanyl, fentanyl that yes. just, you know, cut its way through North America and caused um, enormous numbers of fatal overdoses. Deaths, but yes, absolutely. This from BBC.com, September the 17th, how the fentanyl crisis's fourth wave has hit every corner of the United States mm. by Nadine Youssef. More Americans than ever are dying from fentanyl overdoses as the fourth wave, I haven't heard that term before, but mm. of the opioid epidemic crashes through every community in every corner of the country. It was six years ago that Kim Blake's son, Sean, died from an accidental fent fentanyl overdose in Vermont. He was 27. Every time I hear of a loss to substance abuse, my heart breaks a little more, she said in a blog dedicated to her son, another family shattered, forever grieving the loss of dreams and celebrations. That year, the US witnessed a grim milestone. For the first time ever, drug overdoses killed more than 100,000 people across the country in one single year. Mm. Of those deaths, more than 66% were tied to fentanyl. Synthetic opioid, which is seen as being 50 or 100 times more powerful than heroin. It's a real shocking wave, wasn't it? Remember when we first got oh, reports was, on fentanyl? It, it was, was six years ago, would make sense. People yeah. were dropping like in their they thousands. Were, and was, they didn't have as widespread availability of as naloxone. Of naloxone. Yeah. yeah. No, it was. Um, it was very expensive too. I think. Just the scale of that death and the grim mm. PTSD-inducing trauma led a lot of work. Yes, in what it did to police and first responders, yeah, yeah, yeah. really freaked them out. Not, not just parents, and not just and peer users, workers, or yeah, yeah. it yeah. was actually the first responders that were having problems because they were the ones that had to judge whether the use of naloxone was. Um, Appropriate or not? Yeah, that's because right. Because they only had limited supplies. That's right, and limited funds to spend on mm. things like that. Well, I mean, this is basically the argument that uh, families and friends for drug law reform have been arguing in Canberra, where they have their um, annual Remembrance Day yeah. in October in Western Park, which you know we always attend. Yeah, and you know, you have a couple of speakers and lay flowers uh, on the the mem memorial stone. But you just think when you hear the names read, especially Again, and you yeah. hear what, yeah, it, it just it just does something to you. It's it does, yeah. We're always remembering constantly. And it's not just people who overdose, but just people who've passed, who've died. Yeah, and the memories that they have left, the energy that's gone with them, yeah, into doing peer education and to providing, the, promoting. Um, a rational approach to drug use yeah, and, and drug policy. The lost life, just to the wasted, yeah, wasted, wasted life. lives. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, fentanyl is a pharmaceutical drug that can be prescribed by a doctor to treat severe pain, but the drug is also illegally manufactured and sold by criminal gangs. Most of the illegal fentanyl found in the US is trafficked from Mexico using chemicals sourced from China, according to the Drug Enforcement Administration. In 2010, less than 40,000 people died from a drug overdose across the country, 
and less than 10% were tied to fentanyl. Back then, deaths were mostly driven by heroin or prescription opioids. The contrast is outlined in a study released last week by researchers at the University of California, LA, UCLA, that examines trends in US overdose deaths from 2010 to 2021 using data compiled from the US Centre for Disease Control and Prevention. The data paints a clear picture of how fentanyl has redefined drug overdoses in America over the past decade. Quote, the rise of illicitly manufactured fentanyl has ushered in an overdose crisis in the US of unprecedented magnitude. Mm. Virtually every corner of the US from Hawaii to Alaska to Rhode Island has been touched by fentanyl. The rise in fentanyl-related deaths was first observed in 2015, the data shows. Since then, the drug has spread across the US and death rates have grown sharply. In 2018, around 80% of fentanyl overdoses happened east of the Mississippi River. Uh, according to one of the co-authors, um, Chelsea Shover. Mm. But in 2019, fentanyl became part of the drug supply in the, west, in the west of the US and suddenly this population that had been insulated from it is exposed and death rates start to go up, Professor Shover said. In their study, the researchers sound the alarm on another growing trend, deaths related to the use of fentanyl and another stimulant drug like cocaine or methamphetamine. This trend has been observed across the US, albeit in different ways, owing to drug use patterns that differ from region to region. Mm. For example, researchers found higher death rates related to the use of fentanyl and cocaine in northeastern United States like Vermont and Connecticut, where cocaine has been traditionally more available. But for virtually everywhere else in the country, from West Virginia to California, Deaths were primarily driven by the use of both methamphetamines and fentanyl. Ms Blake, who is also a trained physician, said her son, sporadic, her son sporadically used cocaine throughout his uh, toxicology, though his toxicology report revealed only fentanyl in his system. She learned that many use fentanyl along with another stimulant for a prolonged high. Uh, she's quoted as saying to the BBC, it's no surprise to me that we're seeing such an increase in stimulant opioid combinations. When fentanyl first arrived in the United States as part of the illegal drug supply, quote, a lot of people did not want it, Professor Shover said. But the synthetic opiate became widely available as it is cheaper to produce compared to other, with other drugs. It's also highly addictive meaning people who struggle with substance use are exposed to it often uh, and are exposed to it often seek it out to avoid painful withdrawals. Across the United States, the study identified states like Alaska, West Virginia, Rhode Island, Hawaii and California as having the highest rates of overdose deaths involving fentanyl and another drug. These states have historically high rates of drug use, Professor Shover says. With the arrival of fentanyl, drug use in those areas has become more lethal. Well, the bizarre thing, Marion, is fentanyl's been added to drugs like cocaine and yes. things that people just would not be expecting to get Yes, and that's a, an issue in itself. That, no. the, that's why the drug checking system is so, so useful. crucial, yeah. yeah. Because you, we you don't know what it's it. going to be in, and because such small amounts are needed... You don't know that it's going to be in there. It's a big surprise. Yeah. Especially a deadly surprise. No longer just a white problem is the next, uh, sentence, the next heading. 
the opioid crisis has been traditionally portrayed as a, quote, white problem, end quote, Professor Shover said. Her study, however, revealed that African-Americans are dying from a combination of fentanyl and other drug use at higher rates across age groups and geographical lines. For Rashida Watts-Pearson, an Ohio-based harm reduction specialist, the data reflects what she has seen in her region. She has been doing outreach work with A1 Stigma Free, the grassroots organisation that was founded just eight months ago to tackle a notable rise of overdose deaths within the African-American community in Cincinnati. As part of her work, Ms Watts-Pearson frequently visits barbershops, bars and grocery stores to talk to people about the deadly impacts of fentanyl. She says she does this because the lack of awareness, driven partly by historical health care disparities experienced by racial and ethnic minority groups, even marketing campaigns made to bring awareness to the opioid crisis have not included the experience of black Americans, she said. Quote, I can drive down Avondale right now. There's a billboard that says opioid crisis, but there are two white people on that billboard, Ms Watts-Pearson said. A big blind spot for her community has been fentanyl-laced street drugs, she said, which has led people unknowingly to use the deadly synthetic opioid and developing a, de a dependency on it, to it. Uh, quote, the coroner's office is seeing people overdose and die from cocaine, from crack, from pills and with traces of fentanyl, she said. It's been infiltrated in the black community now and not enough people are talking about it. Rashida Watts-Pearson has been working with A1 Stigma Free to help raise awareness about the impact of overdose epidemic on the African-American community in Cincinnati, Ohio. Well, it's hardly surprising that a drug problem impacts more on... Um, yeah, it's interesting, though, because I guess uh, crack rather than cocaine was more used to be, something yeah. that was uh, um, African-American's drug availability, not necessarily of choice, because what's on the street is generally what... Is about what's available is what people get. Yeah, yeah. you get what there is. Well, there's a lot of evidence that there were American uh, drug who was organisations who were behind the, the whole provision. Of yeah, it. really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, look, I won't read the whole thing. I just summarise it. Um, it's basically yeah, been deemed the fourth wave of overdose crisis. Um, mm. And the professor says our treatment system for substance use disorder is often focused on one drug at a time. But the reality is many people who use drugs use more than uh, one kind of drug at, at the same time. Well, we say yeah. that all the time. Um, and the woman whose son died is trying to keep his memory alive. Um, and she also would like to see overdose prevention sites where people could use safely and under supervision. Consumption sites. Yeah. That's what she really wants. Supervised yeah. consumption sites. These sites are widely available in Canada, which has its own fentanyl crisis, but only two sanctioned sites exist in the US. Mm. So that's... Um, two in Australia too, I might add. Yes, we have two. And yeah. With a th and a another one on the road, on we the hope. Road. Yeah. Okay, look, I'll play a song. Um, this is a uh, shout-out to Dave. It's um, the band Against Me from the album New Wave, and it's called Born on, Born on the oh. FM Waves of the Heart. I've never oh. heard this song, but anyway, here we go. No, no, 
All right, it's okay. coming up 14 minutes to noon. You're with Jeff and Marion in Studio One of 2XXFM, 98.3 FM, People Powered Radio. And that was uh, Against Me, the band, and the song was Born on the FM Waves of the Heart. And thanks to Dave for that. Look, just in the short time we've got left, um, there's uh, a transcript of a foreign correspondent um, uh, piece called Testing Times, which is making the case pretty much based on the experience in Canberra of um, testing uh, at Groove and the Moo when they had the trials. Mm. It's a, it says, um, while Australia's investigating a spate of recent drug-related deaths at festivals, Triple J presenter Tom Tilly heads to Europe and the UK to find out how countries over there are dealing with the challenge. Summertime in Europe means festival season's peaking. On most weekends, tens of thousands of people, young and old, come together to experience live music and culture. I mean, it's not like it's unusual, is it? No. Youngsters my, go- my son went to them Duff. this year. Yeah. Yeah, he and his uh, partner went to the Portugal Festival that they – and he's, Tom's been going to it annually they're, they're for the huge. last few years and it's been fabulous. They're huge. Well, like it's in Portugal because they would yeah, have – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good good one. Yeah. yeah. I've never been to a doof. I must try it out. Um, sounds like fun. Um yeah, come together, experience live music and culture. It's not like, are you going to go, going to a festival? It's which, which festival, festival are you going yeah. to, uh, says Anna Wade, an organiser from Boomtown Fair in the mm. UK. But with festival comes drug use and risk. Research by The Loop, a not-for-profit drug testing service in the UK, so they've got drug testing services mm. in the UK at festivals, it's good, suggests that around half of festival goers in the UK use illegal drugs. We do drugs to enhance the experience, to enjoy ourselves, to live life, says one party goer, um, who smuggled several illicit substances in, into the event in England. Uh, Tom goes behind the scenes at Boomtown Fair, one of the UK's biggest festivals, joining 66,000 party goers over five days. Mm. With a history of drug deaths, Boomtown is now taking a proactive approach in keeping its revelers safe. It wouldn't be good for its um, image to have well, drug deaths there, really, would it? And do you want your customers dead, not no, coming back? No, you don't. You want them coming back next year. I mean, yeah. that's always been my argument when people talk about, I saw this thing um, about intervention, you know, the US, they love these interventions where, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, the, yes. the drug user yes. turns up and the family's sitting around grim face saying, right, there's a car waiting to take yeah. you to. And it's all um, 12-step um, yes. abstinence-based. Oh, yep. And I always remember the... Uh, woman who said, you know, once your child's in the grave, there's no chance of recovery. That's right. Um, cannot cannot do rehab on a dead body. When a, and, and do you really think doing tough love is going to be something you're proud of when your child's gone? I mean, no, no. So anyway, the yep. article goes on, Boomtown is now taking a proactive approach to keeping its revelers safe. Comprehensive medical emergency facilities, roving welfare staff, and back-of-house drug testing all came together in its multi-agency approach. But this year, a key piece of Boomtown's safety strategy, its front-of-house drug testing service, where punters take their personal stash to be tested out in the open. It falls, uh, falls through at the last minute. Quote, it does worry me. Uh, that someone could die this weekend, says one young woman. A short plane, plane ride away on the same weekend in Switzerland, Tom discovers a very different approach. Uh-huh. Um, he joins uh, one million people partying in the streets of Zurich and finds drug testing services operating out in the open. 
They're government-run and free. And the partygoers are queuing up in this colourful episode of Foraker. <laughs> anyway, Tom Tilly takes us inside festival culture and asks, how can we keep our young people safe? Testing Times aired on Foreign Correspondent on ABC TV at 8pm last Tuesday, or this today, I don't know. Would have anyway, been Friday the 20th, this is September. Yeah, it was this week's Foreign Correspondent, yeah. which I think... They've got their dates. Yeah. Um, yeah, funny. Because it's the 19th today, isn't it? Which is Tuesday, so Sunday would have been the 17th. Anyway. It'll be on iView if you want to watch it. Maybe it's last year's. September 1.30pm, also on ABC News Channel on Wednesday the 18th of September. No, that's tomorrow at 5.30am. Saturday the 21st at 9.30am, Sunday the 22nd at 5.30pm on iView. It's an interesting thing and it might be an interesting thing to look. It's called Testing Times. Yeah. And it's on Forest Correspondent. And it's an interesting interview. With if Tom you don't Kelly. want to watch the video, which I started watching, there's a transcript of, of yeah. the interview as well. Yep. There's been some good stuff recently. Oh, um, they have. They've had some great stuff. And it it's not, doesn't surprise me um, that Switzerland, they had a million people at, uh, and the government was providing free drug tr- testing wow. out in the open, whereas in the UK, people had to have the back of house service uh, for drug well, checking. It's all That's away what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. Was that it's all hidden away, and people do plan their pill use for those festivals, so they do have the opportunity to get their drugs checked. Yeah. Yeah. Have time to plan it. Because you've got to buy your drugs before you go, as a rule. You can't count on them being available. No. Because they're still illegal and it's still difficult to get them on site. Yeah. They're often available, but difficult to get hold look, of. It's got to go just common, jump through common sense, isn't yeah. it? Uh, look, I'll play another of uh, the angels uh, for Karen. Uh, this one is uh, I Ain't the One. Now I know this one.
All right, that's Angels, and uh, I ain't the one. Okay, just in the last few minutes, um, I'll put this on the website, but it's an interesting article about Afghanistan. Yeah. Now the Taliban's cracked down on opium production. Where are they making their money? Really cracked down on it, like literally cracked down on it, as opposed to saying they are and using the funding to support their... Uh, campaign, if well, you like, uh, against the government. They need money from somewhere. They do, and now they have a plant called Ephedra that's grown above 2,500 metres, um, altitudes above 2,500 metres, called Ephedra, E-P-H-E-D-R-A, and that can be milled, harvested, dried and milled for conversion into ephedrine, which is then produced, uh, converted to produce methamphetamine. Okay. So, it's interesting, though, but, yeah. yes, if you put that article on the website, that'd be interesting. Yes, it's, I hadn't heard of that uh, no. shift in that the Taliban are broke. The country's in. Well, they, they have... Um, I mean, women aren't ca- used to be supported by... Um, who was the guy that got murdered? One uh, among the millions. The uh, millionaire, the Saudi millionaire that uh, was supporting ISIS. Um, Osama bin Laden. That's the one. Hey, that funding dried up because yeah, he once his dad out, went yeah. back to his family, I imagine, yeah. or went into his family maintenance. Yeah. Um, and they've sort of um, they've got to get their funding from somewhere. Illicit f- drugs is the best way to get maximal profits. Well, they found something that looks like well, it's going to fit the what, bill. What's methamphetamine doing? It's, I mean, it's conversion into ice and. Uh, Definitely, Got um, people using it hand over fist, yeah. didn't they, in multiple countries. Definitely a money spinner. Everywhere. And very quickly went to high profile yeah. as opposed to heroin, which slowly grew out of uh, propaganda and, and, and you know, the transition from one country to another and out of wars, basically. Yeah. But this one is a doozy. Well, ISIS it's a real really shift. Got people by the... Pubes. Afghanistan used to produce 90% of the global opium poppy uh, production. Yeah. So um, you well, wouldn't want to be. Before that, it was a golden God triangle, triangle, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. You wouldn't want to be hoping for decent rehab in Afghanistan, that's all I can tell uh, you. No, because they haven't got any, so I, I wouldn't be I trying. I saw a program on it and it was just Shocker. brutal. Yeah. The only treatment was two sermons from the prophet oh, really? a day. And um, no, no. But Help if off. you're a Muslim, you have to pray five a day, so five times well, a day. So prob- what do you do for the rest of the time? Eat. You just sit there and go hang, to the hang toilet and, yeah, feel, and feel sick. Feel terrible. Yeah. Mm. All right, that wraps up another show. We've sort of covered the world. Um, missed yeah. a few. <laughs> Whipped around the world. Yeah. Missed a few. But um, we'll pick them up stories. next week. Yeah. Well, check out news from the Dog War Front. Facebook page. That's right. Jeffrey will put a few on the on yep. the website. Yep. And we'll probably do some of them next week. Who's who's to know? It depends on how exciting the war on drugs is between now and then. And if you've got a music request or any ideas. Yeah, let us know. Please let because us know. Um, we may not be able to fulfil it, but we'll do our darndest. Absolutely. All right, we'll leave you with uh, Golden the Stranglers, Brown? Golden Brown. And okay. take care. See we'll you be next, back week. next week. We love you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown 
every time Just like the last On the ship Tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown With golden brown Temptress Through the ages She's heading west From far away 